All right. We're here. We're back. Josh. Episode nine. Nine. We should do something special next week for ten. Well, we're, we're, we're going to be overtaking Star Wars. What do you mean? So, well, because they only went to episode nine, didn't they? Oh, okay. Yeah. I gotcha. Are we going to do prequels? Are we going to... We gonna? We could do an origin story. Okay. Origin of you and I, origin of sure. humanity, or origin of gun club. <laughs> all, all of the above. All of the above. Yeah. Origin of Marcus Point Baptist Church. That'd be good. Yeah. That'd be good. Um, I, last week we started with a surprise. I surprised you, I think. What was it? We, that's... Yeah, you had asked about... Um, like how divided we are and would there ever be like do i ever envision us overcoming that space program yeah that's what it was i saw the space program. this week i'm gonna surprise you with a a uh new gadget that i got not at a thrift store did you ah. saw this last night didn't you or did you you're teaching is whenever this, i brought it up is this the camera it is it's, yeah it's the pocket it's a dji osmo pocket uh-huh. and um they finally went on sale to a point where I thought it was reasonable. Um, it's over it's like 50% off of what it first came out with. A Pocket 2 came out, and then that one started going on sale, and every now and then it goes on a really good sale. Yeah. And Best Buy had it on a really good sale. Um, so push that button on the left. There's two buttons. Push the button on the left for a, a split second. And so this is a... Um, this is a, see, there you go. Ah, this is the one on the right. So, oh, oh the one on the right, I'm yeah. sorry. So it's uh, <laughs> at a 50% chance I got it wrong. <laughs> so this is, for those who don't know, this it's a small camera on a gimbal. And it is, when I say tiny, I mean, it's, it is yeah. small, man. It is really small. And it's got a usable screen, LCD screen in that it <clears throat> excuse me in that it is touch screen and you can compose you can see how close you you know if you're composing the picture correctly uh, it takes stills and it does video again it's on a gimbal so the video uh, works for its th- uh, three axis gimbal um, so uh, I, I watched just got it yesterday I watched some of the video and um, still shots that I took on my 30 I watched them on my 32 inch screen and they looked acceptable and I did not I have not done any adjustments so that can shoot on a manual mode as well as auto just like a DSLR so I'm going to go in there on the manual mode and set the ISO and um, exposure uh, and uh, frame rate and um, I think it's going it, to it will it will look better than anybody thinks a small gadget like that should look uh, but obviously the two is is going to be a lot better so is this part of your everyday carry now this is part of my everyday carry now you, you carry a camera I carry a camera <laughs> i'm just gonna see how it goes man i just think that uh at the range and um with the uh, disability ministry i think that's going to have a uh, and at church since i'm a volunteer uh, photographer now um i think that could capture some some transition times or capture some things that I wouldn't capture with a DSLR or the iPhone. It's very Um, concealable. It is. (laughs) It is. And that hooks up. I can hook it up to um, plug it right into my iPhone to the side of the iPhone. And then the whole LCD screen of the, of the, the phone 
is the LCD screen. Hmm. Uh, Interesting. And, yeah, and it has apps, the Mimo app that will have all kinds of other apps yeah. to it and, and capabilities. It's so. kind of like I, I have a uh, uh, a little thermal imaging uh, module that that plugs into my phone that allows me to see heat maps. How about that? Yeah. All right. Very cool. <laughs> we should do a podcast on gadgets. Right. There's a thousand <laughs> and a hundred million of them, but, but we should do one more. <laughs> We should do one more. So, anyway, I'm excited about that. Yeah, it's neat. And um, by this time, I'm four or five episodes behind. By this time, I will probably have gotten one for Donna to use for her uh, bird watching mm -hmm. um, and transition it to a, uh, um, what is it called? Uh, uh, in the car, you put a camera in. Oh, yeah, yeah. Face forward. So, there's mounts that you can do that. So, I'll make it waterproof and she can use it for bird watching and for. Um, Very cool. Yeah. For. Uh, hmm. Uh, car cam. That's my excuse. That's why. I, yeah. That's why I got it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> if you like gadgets, it's easy to come up with excuses why Boy, you need them. Tell you what it is. I held off for two years though. Mm -hmm. I held off. I mean, that thing was four fifty when it first came out. Three fifty when it first came out, and the new ones are four fifty. And there's mm -hmm. the new ones are there's all kinds of accessories that go along with that thing. Anyway. Yeah. That's my surprise. Cool. Now we're gonna transition into <laughs> the gun club. This has been a gadget minute. With <laughs> you know, I have to buy gadgets every week so we can have this intro. <laughs> I like that a lot, by the way. Uh, all right, so Josh, we had class last night. Yes. The truth is, when it's bad weather, a lot of people don't show up. Right. It's just, that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. I was surprised to see that we had, I think, 16 people last night. Yep. 16 people. And, and it was, I mean, it was, wasn't, it, it was on and off raining, but it was certainly threatening uh, rain. Um, I'm just so excited that there are so many new people. 50% of those people last night were new. Yeah. And, and they have retained from, from the beginning of this session. They have, uh, they've kept coming back. Yep. I think one, maybe two of them, this is only the second time they came, but what they've all been here before. Right. Uh, and many of them have been here the entire, you know, all three times or however many we've, we've met. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. You know what it is? It's your Hawaiian shirts. Oh, that's what it is. <laughs> it's a Hawaiian shirt. That's why I keep wearing them. <laughs> I'm wearing another. Yeah, sure. I'm Carolina blue Hawaiian yeah. shirt. That's uh, Donna got this for Christmas for me, and um, I'm excited about it. I had an engineering teacher once. Uh, this was back when I was an undergrad, and uh, he he showed up uh, to class once, and he had like this. I'm colorblind, but everyone else was kind of like <laughs> poking fun at him a little bit. One of the students said, "Hey, nice pink shirt," and uh, <laughs> and he just says, "It's not pink." It's coral. <laughs> and when you get married and your mother-in-law buys you a shirt for Christmas, you will learn to wear it with pride. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's good. You know, the sad fact is I asked for this shirt. <laughs> I requested that she buy this shirt for me. I put it on my uh, Amazon list. <laughs> I, I had a shirt when I was first, uh, when Deb and I were first married, I had a shirt hanging in my closet that I never wore. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and she asked me about it one day. She's like, how come you never wear that shirt? I'm like, it's pink. I don't want to wear a pink shirt. She's like, it's not pink. It's gray. I'm like, <laughs> gray. Oh, that's way so, off. Yeah. So then I, then I started wearing it. <laughs> Josh. So that, that, that is a place where your color blindness comes into. Well, uh, yeah, with, with red, green color blindness. Okay. Um, you know, since pink 
it's is, a derivative is a, is of a, red. Yeah, a shade of red. Okay. Um, <laughs> a lot of times, pink to me looks gray, okay. uh, and and vice versa. <laughs> okay. That's so funny. So it depends on the shade and the lighting and the texture and all that stuff. Uh, so, so what do the the female gun club shirts look like to you? Can you tell what color they are? I don't know. Okay, I haven't they're, really thought about it. They're bright pink. They're bright pink, it, but and the men's are gray. So I didn't know if you always thought that they were both gray. The men's ones are gray. See, I thought the men's ones were green. See, that's another thing. There's okay. there's a certain type of green. Mm-hmm. That that looks gray, okay, to me, and so sometimes I'll confuse those. Okay, no, they're they're gray. Okay, the 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 men's are gray, the women's are are a bright, really. There's no there's no coral about it right. or anything. I'll just I'll, just pink. I'll have to ask my wife what what my shirt is because okay. I think mine is green. Okay. Oh, you think it? Okay, yeah. All right, so All right. it's probably the gray one. I just <laughs> I'm sure it's, this confuses I, my wife to no end because she'll <laughs> ask me like, "What color do you think this is?" I'm like, "I don't never thought about it." She's like, "How can you never think about color?" I'm like, "Because my brain's wired differently." <laughs> I, I'm colorblind as it is. I mean, I see in color, but I don't uh-huh. recognize all the colors like like, so like normal people do. So uh-huh. I just don't think about it as much. Right. You know? And so you got enough to think about. Yeah, and when she asks me what color something is, I have to stop and think like, "Huh? Let me think about that." She's like, "What do you mean think about that? It either is it or it isn't." You know? <laughs> I gotta say, she's got a good point. <laughs> and, and so yeah, I'll have to ask her what. Uh, I mean, I'm sure it's gray. Yeah, but yeah, it's uh, gotta be gray. Yeah, but to me, it's just. Green, and it's probably just something that's never come up in conversation, right. so I've always mm-hmm. just assumed it's green. Right. Yeah. Well, it, I don't know why people that are not colorblind are fascinated by people that are colorblind. I mean, I'm right there with your wife. I, you know, I ask you what, ask you what does it look like? I don't know what I get out of that. It's yeah. fascinating. I don't know why. <laughs> One time when I was a kid uh, in, in school, St. Patrick's Day, I thought I was wearing green, but oh, I got, no. you know, back then, you know, you pinch you them. You got pinched. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I found out very quickly, yeah, I'm not wearing green. <laughs> this is gray. This is, yeah. this is pink. Something know. like that, yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, i tell you what, colorblind or not, you had a good lesson last night. Um, let's let's start with the gun stuff, and then we'll, we'll, okay. we'll talk about your lesson. We'll end up with that because I'd like to end up with the highlights. So what we talked about last night, Josh, was an alternative to any weapon mm-hmm. really uh, and, and we can talk more in the future about incorporating a defensive weapon in um, martial arts or anything that you're going to do to uh, to protect yourself whenever you don't have a weapon so we did we talked about we, we mentioned a couple of different martial arts you know brazilian jiu-jitsu and yeah i was surprised <laughs> that you had actually studied brazilian jiu-jitsu i, I did uh, and it's a great art it's a great skill to have and it's it's something i mean it's been years and years and years but if you do it long enough it, it becomes an instinct to uh, be in a certain posture if something happens mm-hmm. you know what i mean and, and if, if you engage with somebody um, certain things will just make sense to you after doing some martial arts uh, without you really having to think about them and mm-hmm. uh, um, you know a couple we talked about a couple of them last night controlling the hips um, controlling the hands uh, and arms um, and we actually watched a video <clears throat> um, well, I always forget the name of it. Active self-protection. Active self-protection. We watched mm-hmm. a video. Good YouTube channel, by the way. Really is. And the guy's name, uh, can you remember it? Active self-protection. Yes, right. That's yeah. what his name is. That's <laughs> the name of the channel. Very good. If you're interested in real-life 
uh, surveillance videos or video videos in, in stores where there's being robberies and everything. Uh, be forewarned, it, sometimes it's not easy to watch because mm-hmm. this is not Hollywood. This is real life. Yep. Good guy doesn't always win. Does not. The objective is learning a lesson from this experience. And he shows the video, uh, and then he breaks it down and talks about it uh, uh, section by section. Right. Uh, what what was right, what was maybe wrong, and he does it in a very good way. He's not criticizing it at all. He's saying this is, it's kind of like what we do in Gun Club in that we want you to visualize what may happen and have a plan. Mm-hmm. If you do that plan or not, uh, you know, who knows? But to think about it and to have something in mind is really what we want um, right. out of our students. Um, but we talked about... Uh, or the video, that's what we're talking about, the video, uh, this guy, it's just a video that's like on top of, on, on the inside of a, of a convenience store or whatever, and it's, it's pointing down, uh, and a little guy, uh, stocky, certainly he's wiry, or, mm-hmm. or stocky and wiry if, if that's possible, uh, he's looking over to one side and he's engaging somebody that's out of sight, and all of a sudden this guy comes over to him, gets a couple of inches from his face, if I remember correctly. And Josh, correct me if I'm wrong. Was he six inches or seven inches taller than the other oh, guy? Oh, easy, yeah. He looked down at him, right? Well, the the video is titled, like, uh, David Gives Goliath a Lesson. That's right. So That's right. You That's know, right. <laughs> That's it. That's dark of a contrast. Yep, it, it was. Uh-huh. And, and so the taller guy came over, got in his face. No, no audio, so you can't tell what they're saying. So, it was all in Russian anyway. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, and in very grainy video, like most of them are, but right. still the lesson, the content is, is what's important. Yeah, because most of his videos are based on like security camera that's footage right. of, of actual events that yep. happened. That's right. That's right. Uh, so the little guy pushes the big guy very abruptly, very, uh, like we talked about last night, zero to 100 in, in a split second. Mm-hmm. He just, he didn't allow any... Uh, jawing at all maybe mm-hmm. w- one or two words that was all it was and the little guy almost he had to push up and he pushed the guy away and the guy went out of sight again out of the camera sight probably seven to eight foot back and it was on after that yep the big guy came over to him and i could tell the big guy had some some um, skills also because of his stance whenever he was fighting he wasn't roundhousing but he, even before he got hit he got into a fighting stance, mm-hmm. uh, a correct fighting stance. But the little guy had a plan. He executed that plan until that plan was complete. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was definitely, you know, two guys with some fighting experience, but the little guy won because he had a better technique. I think you're right. Better technique, and he was he was steadfast. He was uh, relentless. Yeah. There's several times that big guy, he was doing the right thing. He was trying to control the hips. He was trying to get him in the guard, which means uh, the the little guy was on top of him and the the bigger guy on the bottom had his knees out Mm -hmm. and wrapped, trying to wrap him around the body and control the arms uh, inside of, um, of, of his, of his arms. He was trying to control his opponent's arms and he actually tried to get an arm bar on the guy. Is there something going on? I don't know, something keeps hitting something. I don't know. That's oh, probably me. I'll try to stop. No, it sounds like coming from over here. Oh. I don't know. Oh, it's that raccoon that I see every now and then. <laughs> That's probably what it is. I think it's something I'm doing. I just can't figure what it okay. is. Okay. Um, so both of them were trying to execute a plan. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but the little guy's plan worked better. Ended up choking him out, and the guy passed out. Yeah. And the, what John Car- John Carrera, John Carrera, uh, the host said is that— Oh, yeah, uh, that's his name. John Carrera, okay. <laughs> uh, he said that uh, he, he, he was glad to see the guy— He was— <laughs> John Carrera said that he was glad to see the guy who didn't stop breathing at the end go over to the guy that did in, in, uh, to, to see if he was okay. Mm-hmm. And I, I leaned over to Michael and I said, that dude didn't see. He just wanted to make sure he was breathing. He didn't want to he didn't want to kill the guy right that's why he went over. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's what I think anyway. But anyway, what do you think about what we saw? Well, it, it was kind of interesting for a couple of reasons. Um, one, just, I guess at a fundamental level, just to see how how much technique plays into a fight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we always talk about being prepared and, you know, uh, making these decisions before, uh, before we're presented with that kind of situation and always thinking through it and that kind of deal. But right. um, it, it was... It was really interesting that the size difference between these two guys and how the little guy was definitely you know uh at a disadvantage mm-hmm. strength and size wise mm-hmm. but because he had that that technique he was able to turn the, the tables against him and i think uh in a similar respect what's interesting about that is for those of us who have never studied Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or some type of martial arts, mm-hmm. and you know, that's one thing that the uh, the um, was John Carrera, mm-hmm. yeah, the the, mm-hmm. the person who made the video, <laughs> you know, he he kept mentioning like I yeah, I've studied uh, this martial art, and he threw out some name and mm-hmm. like a derivative yeah. of some other, you know, <laughs> right, um, right. Shaolin monk training. That's right. Mm-hmm. On you know, in, in the mountains of you know, China or whatever. Tibet. Yeah. Um, and he'd been studying that for 14 years. Yeah. And, you know, given that kind of commentary, and I'm thinking, well, I don't know any martial arts. Right. I took, I didn't even, I, I, I took, I can't really even call it a class for one hour when I was a kid. And it wasn't even a class. It was just a friend of mine who had gone through, who was taking Kung Fu, Mm-hmm. And he showed me some stuff. All right. And that was it. Other than, like, <laughs> I have a couple books on Bruce Lee, you know, on <laughs> yep. my shelf at home, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Right. But <clears throat> I always talked my way out of fights when I was a kid. You know, I was right. always kind of quick-witted and smart-mouthed enough mm-hmm. that I could mm-hmm. kind of disarm them with my words, so to speak. And that's the best. You know? <laughs> Josh, That's that. I'm glad you brought that up. That is our preferred way of handling any mm-hmm. conflict is to do exactly that. Yeah. Right. To, to talk your way out. Uh, verbal jujitsu is what John calls it. Right. And verbal and, judo. Yeah. Ver- verbal judo. And I think that was even the title of a book he recommended mm-hmm. verbal judo, which I'd, I'd like to get that book, yeah. but, um, you know, but, but what it kind of reinforced is, you know, for those of us who, you know, th- those kinds of situations, um, are never scheduled. It's not like, right. you know, mm-hmm. hey, on yeah. you know this date, it's going to go down. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. You're presented with that when you weren't expecting it. Yeah. And so in, in my case, when I don't really have an opportunity to spend 14 years studying martial arts mm-hmm. before that, like, what do I do tomorrow right. to somehow level the playing field? Right. You know, mm-hmm. Even if we're not talking about carrying a gun, because it mm-hmm. is a gun club, and we talk about concealed carry, and I mm-hmm. conceal carry, and, mm-hmm. you know, everyone in there is packing at yep. some point or another, it seems like. Um, <laughs> but, does. you know, even, you know, if I'm talking about my wife, who mm-hmm. 
you know, already has, you know, a 30 pound purse and probably isn't going to put a, a, a gun in there. Yeah. Um, right. or, or people that, you know, we don't necessarily think should be, are, are the responsible kind of people that should mm-hmm. be carrying a gun. Yeah. I don't say my wife's not re- irresponsible no. with guns. I'm totally just saying. different subject. Yeah. There are people <laughs> of all different kinds. So in the, yep. in the event where you're presented with a fight and you don't have a gun, and you don't have martial arts training, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, what do you do? And so that kind of reinforces our conversations in previous classes and podcasts about everyday carry. Like, you're going to carry pepper spray, you're going to mm-hmm. carry a taser, you're going to carry one of those, like, uh, weighted keychain baton things right. where, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to, uh, you know, probably not like brass knuckles or anything because mm-hmm. they're illegal, but, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. something, something to that effect that's mm-hmm. going to give you some sort of advantage. Yeah when you don't have technique right because uh, that would be my case mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i don't have martial arts training mm-hmm. but i can carry an aluminum billet in my pocket you know <laughs> you can't you can in a, a tactical uh, pen or whatever yeah. i i i would i think i don't want to say it's more valuable but i think it is just as valuable if not more to learn what you know mm-hmm. about verbal judo to avoid a situation like that. Now, there's going to be some times where uh, ver- it's not going to do any good. A verbal judo is not going to do any good. Mm-hmm. But to have that skill like you have, like you have, I think is extremely valuable. That being said, to preface what we talked about last night, I, I probably didn't, uh, I probably did not um, emphasize this enough. I believe I just said, if you have made the decision, if the decision has been made that you're going to. Um, that you're going to engage physically with this person, then this is what you do. Right. But uh, but here I want to say, I hope and pray that that never happens to you. That, just like using a firearm, should be the very last response, mm-hmm. right? The very last response. Yeah. It, it, so I want everybody to hear that. Um, verbal jiu-jitsu, verbal judo is something that uh, I would prefer to have. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have a, a lot of that. So... Uh, maybe we can teach each other, Josh. Verbal, verbal judo, verbal judo doesn't. Verbal judo, verbal voodoo, verbal <laughs> voodoo. That's that's what we're going to teach. When gerbils attack. <laughs> that that's our martial art. Verbal judo, verbal voodoo. Come learn verbal judo, judo, whatever. <laughs> verbal karate. <laughs> there you go. Um, talk your way out of it. You know that that would be the way to go. But if you can't, there's a lot of things that you can do. Your mm-hmm. wife, my wife could carry a lot of things to create separation. Right. And that's that's one of the things we talked about last night too. When that guy, the guy, uh, when the small guy pushed the big guy away, he was creating separation. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want with uh, anybody who is in a confrontation without their choice is to create separation. So if your wife or my wife is walking out of the grocery store and they're confronted with somebody, my hope and prayer is that there's only one person and that the grocery bags or the grocery cart or whatever it is that they're pushing can be in between them mm-hmm. and the perpetrator, and that, and then they run. Your right. wife, my wife, runs inside. You know what I mean? That's, <coughs> that's the best-case scenario. Right. But, but as we have seen in these videos from um, Active Self-Protection, it takes a split second. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me say this realistically. It can take 7 to 15 seconds <coughs> to abduct a person. Yes. 
if it's a team. Mm-hmm. Seven to 15 seconds is nothing. Right. That's checking a text message and starting to propose, uh, compose mm-hmm. an, a, an answer. And you look up, and the person that was standing right in front of you is no longer there. There's no cars moving. Yeah. What just happened, right? We've seen it on those videos. Yeah. So. Like, which goes back to situational awareness. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. And, you know, even in a, a scenario where you're forced into a fight like that, uh, situational awareness goes goes beyond just recognizing, you know, who the threat is, where the threat's coming from, that kind of stuff, but also being aware of your, your surroundings, like, uh, you know, hey, there's a chair here. I can throw it at him. You know, something like yeah, that. You know, sure. yeah, um, yeah. That, that was the comment I made to to my daughter on the way home because mm. mm-hmm. we were talking about all this stuff. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know if that were me, and I don't have the fighting experience, and the other guy obviously does. Um, my strategy would have probably been throw the chair at him, scream like a girl, and run. But I was survived. You know, <laughs> <laughs> all right, there you go. That's what it's about survival. You know, so, something just to create that, like you're saying, create that separation mm-hmm, between me and mm-hmm. the threat. And, uh, you know, we had we used to have a, uh, an instructor in the gun club. He would always use the term, uh, get off the X. Yep. You know, right. X being this is where the threat is focused. Yep. Get away from it. Get away from you it. You know, it doesn't matter how you get away from it, just get away from that's it. That's right. I like that a lot, too. And he was a big time, still is a big time military guy. Yeah. So that's what he yeah, learned. In the military. In military, military police, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And he's trained with SEAL Team 7, I think. Yep. He's uh, one of the guys you meet on the base that carries carries yeah. the high-powered weapons. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So getting off the X is the most important thing. I'm glad you brought that up. That's the most important thing just mm-hmm. to get away from it. You know, Pride, easier for women women perhaps to not allow a, a prideful moment to get in the way. Yeah. Um, harder for men. That's one of the things we focus on, uh, you know, in the gun club. There's a stereotype that, you know, we're – you know, crazy redneck white ringers, right wingers, right ringer, gerbil voodoo. With, um, <laughs> with ring You know, that, you know, our answer for everything is guns. Well, that's <laughs> not true. Nope, uh, guns is the last resort. Yep, yep. And, uh, you know, they're, they're there for a reason. And once you pull it, the whole world changes. Yeah. And yeah. so, um, you right. know, we're, we're a big fan of guns. We love hunting. We love bullets and you know, bangs and mm-hmm. all that stuff. But, going to the range, yeah, having fun. going to the range, having fun, that Competing. kind of stuff. But um, when it when it comes to you know self defense, putting your life on the line, putting someone else's life on the line, um, deadly force is a last resort. Oh, I tell you what, and, and none of us, none of us are prepared, are, are equipped to, to to do anything like that. Right, we're not equipped. We're not trained <clears throat> for it. We're not equipped for it. We're doing the best we can yeah. with the resources we have to become as prepared as we can. That's right. That's right. You know, um, real quick, and we'll end with this this portion. Um, if uh, if you come to come, those of us that are in Gun Club, um, f- and have been here for a certain period of time, or even if you start now, let's let's go with a new student. You start now. And you go for six weeks. You go for seven weeks. You will be better. You will ha- you will be exposed to more training than the majority of people that carry guns. Now that is a total a statistic that I have totally made up by what I have heard, read, mm-hmm. talked to people about w- for the last nine years. You know, right. concealed carry people. Uh, most of them do not go to the range. Most mm-hmm. of them do not train. That's just a simple fact. Yeah. So if you do something, we're talking about one hour every week for uh, 52 weeks. Mm-hmm. Or we didn't do 52 weeks this year, but 
uh, however many weeks. Right. You know, that will give you more preparation, at least expose you to more preparation than most people that carry guns. Yeah. That's just no doubt well, about it. A lot of people that, that carry guns, they've gone through the concealed weapons mm-hmm. class. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They filled out the forms. They paid the fee. They bought the gun. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. That's where it stops. That's yeah. where it stops. And that... <clears throat> is a topic of debate i mean that's a topic that we can we can talk about you know getting involved in a a gun club like we have at marcus point baptist church subtle plug for the church um (laughs) (laughs) you know we not only cover uh you know aspects of guns techniques for shooting things like that but we meet at the range we practice together uh we could treat each other we have you know certified nra uh uh, instructors Mm -hmm. in the class Mm -hmm. on the range there um you know, so mm-hmm. it's it's really a complete package, and at the yep. same time, because it's Marcus Point Baptist Church, we yep. also have Bible study. That's right. So, <laughs> it's everything you need. Man. We're learning about guns. We're learning about the uh, sword of the spirit. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, weapons, both physical and spiritual. That's right. And it's it. Let's face it. It's just a lot of fun. Really good people. Uh, how many women were there last night? A positive man. One, two, uh, three, three women last night. I think. Yeah. Right, and yep. Michelle wasn't there, and she's usually there. Yeah, we usually uh, run about six. Yep. Uh, yep, as far as females there. And the oh, and and my daughter. That's right. Yeah. Your daughter's there. Yeah. Uh, now the reason we bring that up is because of the thought that it's probably just a men's club, and mm-hmm. it by far is not a men's club. Yep. Uh, and by, by far, so. Yeah, we even uh, talk about specific two, uh, two women concealed carry mm-hmm, options. You mm-hmm. know, because guys, we like the baggy shirts and the. Yeah you know uh, appendix mm-hmm. carry or whatever right doesn't always work for women that's right <laughs> so, that's right uh, you know th- that that comes up in discussion as well like concealed carry purses yeah. you know yeah. and sure things like that the, ty- the type of gun which mm-hmm. might be different than you think yeah. for, for for a female it might be different than you think one of our ladies carries a a um, i'd call it a compact 22 mm-hmm. i think that's a perfect gun for her yeah you know perfect gun she trains with it um, she likes the way it feels in her hand, and that's why she bought it. Her yep. husband didn't. I don't think her husband bought it for her. I think she went and, and, and mm-hmm. got it. But she's confident with it, too. Yeah. Oh, amen, man. You know what I right. mean? I mean, if it's a twenty two <laughs> and you're confident with it and you carry it, I, I just applaud you for that. Yeah. Um, all right, Josh, I think that's all that we talked about um, uh, gun-wise or self-defense-wise. Mm-hmm. Um and it was uh, then we, we transitioned into the Bible study, which we frequently do. Yep. We not frequently, we do every week. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, so, <clears throat> you know, the, the series we've been doing uh, since the, the beginning of this year has been going back and looking at the the philosophy and the ideas behind the Constitution. We've been yeah. uh, exploring the Federalist Papers. Because um, here again, the debate at the time when we were under the Articles of Confederation, the inherent weaknesses of that, the the, na- the, the nation was under a de- was in the middle of a debate between whether or not they continue on mm-hmm. with the Articles of Confederation, or or they transition into a different style of government under the Constitution. And so the Federalist Papers were uh, arguments in favor, uh, whereas the Anti-Federalists they were mm-hmm. argument against. And so these are a series of essays that were submitted to you know a newspaper in New York, um, as uh, and, and they're written um, uh, under under a f- fictitious name of Publius. Like hmm. this is this is the average person's 
philosophy going into this. They were written okay. by Hamilton, Jay, and Madison, mm-hmm. uh, but they're done under the pseudonym Publius. Publius. Yeah. And, okay. and uh, so <clears throat> the first like 15 or 20 Federalist Papers were uh, really an argument for unity. Okay. Um, and we continued on that last time, uh, last night, but in a, in a, um, almost in an interesting way, but that's kind of like, you know, it was my lesson. So it's interesting. <laughs> Obviously <laughs> that, that is assumed. I, uh, you know, I thought it was interesting, it but was, anyway, it, uh, was, it was definitely interesting. So there's, you know, we find ourselves in the middle of that same debate today about, uh, uh, the need for a constitution or even the importance or, um, uh, the legitimacy of a constitution in today's world. And it's interesting because we're right in the middle uh, also of the second impeachment trial of Donald Trump. And both sides in their arguments are referring back to the Federalist Papers. So this is this is stuff that's current. Even though these were written in the late 1700s, these are issues that are uh, that are important and current today. Uh, because this week people are in in front of the Senate um, arguing from the Federalist Papers. That and is so, interesting, by the way. That's very interesting. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> because the Federalist Papers, you know, one, one of the big arguments about the impeachment trial is the constitutionality of it. Mm-hmm. And so where do you go when you want to know the the philosophy and the background and the mm-hmm. commentary on the Constitution? You go to the Federalist Papers. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they've, been, they've been invoking those quite a bit. But uh, last night, um, we were kind of rounding up the the arguments in favor of joining uh, in a union, and uh, the author concludes with a very uh, a very important statement to future generations. He says that you know what we're attempting on the American theater is the first of its kind in all of history, mm-hmm. and so. Not only is there that weighing on their shoulders, but also <clears throat> the realization that we're all still imperfect people. And so the job of those who come behind is to improve and to perpetuate. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to focus a lot on that improve part mm-hmm. because the accusations are rampant today that mm-hmm. our founders – our founders were flawed. Our founders were racist, or our constitution was written in an era of white supremacy, or uh, our country was founded on on the idea of white supremacy. You know all these different things, and it goes back to our conversation last week about the victimization mm-hmm. of the victim culture. Um, <clears throat> and so, uh, you know, the accusation is that the constitution should be abandoned because it's a racist document. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to focus on that because it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, there's two competing ideas, and, and you have to go back to the Declaration of Independence for this, but there's two competing ideas. One is, especially when talking about slavery, right, because that's mm-hmm. the big, uh, like, glaring spot right. on, on the morality of our country, right, right is slavery. Mm-hmm. And we would all agree with that. Mm-hmm. It was totally wrong. Absolutely. And our founders knew that. Mm-hmm. Most of them did. There were, you know, we exist in a nation where there are people who have and who do wrong things. Yeah. But that doesn't mean our nation is founded on the principles, uh, mm-hmm. on those same principles. Right. Um, yes. Kind of like 
there are Christians who sinned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's not mm-hmm. a reflection of Scripture or of the character and nature of God. Right. That's a description of the people who claim to be following that's God, right? right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Same idea. And so <clears throat> throughout the Federalist Papers, uh, you know, th- there's this battle between the, the those two concepts in the Declaration of Independence. One is um, all men are created equal. You know, we're endowed by our Creator with certain mm-hmm. unalienable rights. And then sometimes a competing idea, which is consent of the governed. Mm-hmm. And so um, all men are created e- equal, but uh, government derives its authority from the consent of the governed. And, and that comes into play uh, significantly when you're talking about the the concept of slavery because the question is if our founders were against slavery how come they just didn't get rid of it at our founding right <clears throat> oftentimes uh, uh, the part of the constitution called the three-fifths clause is is brought up where for purposes of um, identifying how many representatives each southern state was granted in Congress, it, it was a, an algorithm to, to, to figure out how many representatives there were. And so um, they counted, uh, you know, free people, and uh, it, it talked about how to address uh, Indians who are not being taxed. Mm-hmm. And then it talks about three-fifths of other persons. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was to address... Uh, slaves in the southern states because the southern states weren't going to join the union mm-hmm. if slavery was abolished. So there we have that idea, consent of the governed. The south, who were going to be governed, did not consent to slavery being abolished. Mm-hmm. But they wanted uh, slaves to be counted in the population oh, so they could get more reps. So they could get more representatives, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. it was the three-fifths compromise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's often misinterpreted as us saying a slave is considered three-fifths of a person, but that's not how the Constitution was worded. Okay, all right. And I didn't really get a, a chance to go into this in a lot of detail last mm-hmm. night because I was running short on time. Yeah. But it, the reason it was a compromise was because however many slaves existed in the South, 60% of that quantity were going to be, uh, uh, going to be used for apportionment for representatives. But the word slave never comes up. In fact, they're referred to as persons, persons. just like everyone else. In fact, hmm. in the Constitution, there is no designation on, on race, sex, religion, mm-hmm. um, sexual orientation, you know, any, mm-hmm. anything like that. It's mm-hmm. all persons because there's that fundamental idea, all men are created equal. Mm-hmm. Everyone's endowed with inalienable rights by their creator. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Not only that, but there were... Uh, freed slaves in the North and in the South. They weren't considered as three-fifths of a person. They were considered as a full person okay. for uh, apportionment. Uh, famous uh, abolitionist Frederick Douglass mm-hmm. even uh, brought that to the attention of his of those who were criticizing him. Mm-hmm. And so uh, what it was was a compromise because we have to have, we have to maintain the idea that all men are created equal mm-hmm. and we also have to maintain uh, consent of the governed, because if we just forced mm-hmm. the South not to uh, um, uh, force them out of slavery, mm-hmm. then it wouldn't have been consent of the governed. Right. So mm-hmm. 
In order mm-hmm. for both of those competing ideas to be maintained, a compromise had to be reached. Okay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but from the from the from its founding, uh, the majority of our founding fathers were against slavery. It was originally tried to uh, they they tried to put that in the Declaration of Independence mm-hmm. as a criticism of the British Crown. Like one of the reasons we don't like England mm-hmm. is because of the slave trade that they perpetuate. Um, it was two states that voted against it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it didn't make it into the final draft of the Declaration of Independence. Mm-hmm. But uh, George Washington, he made the statement that he wants, you know, uh, slavery totally abolished. Um, uh, Jay, one of the ones who wrote the Federalist Papers, mm-hmm. he uh, successfully campaigned for the abolition of slavery in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was all this, there was the realization that even though they were slaves, they were persons, and that slavery is counter to the idea that all men are created equal and all men are given, are, are endowed mm-hmm. by their creator with right. these rights. Mm-hmm. These rights are transferable. Josh, real quick. Yeah. Define inalienable. Okay. Uh, so in the Declaration of Independence, it says unalienable, unalienable. and that often gets. Um, like kind of merged in with inalienable. Okay. Mm-hmm. Both b- roughly mean the same thing. It okay. means that these rights can't be taken away from you. They can't be transferred to someone else. They're okay. inherent in your being. Because you're a human, you're a, a, right. a person, a human being. Okay. Yeah, and and the uniqueness of the American system mm-hmm. was that uh, these rights didn't come from those who led you, those who were in power, you know, mm-hmm. empires of the past, they determined what you were allowed to do and what you weren't allowed to do. And, you know, if, if you were, uh, if, if you remember the Roman Empire, you were subject to, to whatever they said mm-hmm. your rights were. Okay. And, and that's kind of how empires work, monarchies, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like, your rights are second to the rights of those in power. Right. Okay. And our mm-hmm. system was entirely different. Mm-hmm. The only reason government has its power is because that power was given to them by the governed. By the governed, by the people. Right, because at a fundamental level, we're all human beings, and, Mm -hmm. you know, the king of England is endowed by his creator Mm -hmm. with the same rights as I am Mm -hmm. endowed by my creator, Mm -hmm. because it's the same creator, right? right. And so Mm -hmm. slavery is morally... Uh, is morally wrong because that slave is endowed by his creator with mm-hmm. the same rights I have as a slave owner. Mm-hmm. And so that's why slavery was morally repre- reprehensible to right. most of the founders. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then there were those who ignored the morality of it and mm-hmm. still owned slaves. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't a reflection on the American system. That was a reflection on them personally. On them personally. Yeah. Okay. Um, gotcha. <clears throat> because here again, the reason that the Constitution didn't identify them as slaves, it says it still called them other persons, mm-hmm. was because that the Constitution was still acknowledging their personhood. Mm-hmm. And the founders knew that the Constitution was going to outlive the concept of slavery because mm-hmm. slavery had to be, um, I don't know, for lack of a better word, ed- or better phrase, educated out of the culture of the time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it mm-hmm. was done so through biblical principle mm-hmm. that in God's eyes, there is no difference in the races. Right. Science at the time, uh, and, and actually I think it was, um, 
uh, shoot, I can't remember the uh, the founding father, but w one of the ones who owned slaves, it wasn't necessary that he was against uh, that that he was pro slavery, but he said um, that you know the science at the time claimed that races have different levels of intelligence so mm -hmm. prove you're as intelligent and mm. you know the, the the concept will go away mm. um mm. so in in our day-to-day -day, we would say trust the science right yeah right right <laughs> well science mm. at the time was wrong and and even mm -hmm. you know uh, about a century later when darwin's descent of man came out it echoed the same sentiments it says that uh you know certain races are closer to animals than other races. And so it's the duty of the higher races mm -hmm. to slowly eradicate the lower races. It was the philosophy mm -hmm. that, that went into the Holocaust and, mm -hmm. you know, other things, mm -hmm. Hitler's master race, right? Yeah, right. Totally counter to what scripture says and totally counter to what, uh, to the ideas that went into the founding of our nation. Mm -hmm. Wow. So that's what we talked about last night. It was a light <laughs> conversation. It was, it was a light conversation, <laughs> and uh, but an important one because... Yes. That is one of the central arguments of mm -hmm. the left today is that everything is racist. Right. And, mm -hmm. and we have to separate the idea that our nation has people in it who are racist. Mm -hmm. We have yep. to separate that idea from our country is a racist country. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, that's one of the fundamental reasons why looking back at things like the Federalist Papers and the writings of our founders are so important. It really is. Um, because it, it really highlights the difference between mm. those two two ideas. Josh, I'm ask a question. I know you can't answer it right now, so maybe we can talk about it in class next week perhaps. Okay. Um, because I know you have, <clears throat> to, you have to go here in a second. How do we, how do we encapsulate that idea whenever we're talking to somebody and have a, an elevator speech, you know, mm -hmm. we have, we have a two minute window of talking to somebody how, uh, that perhaps uh, doesn't agree with, with uh, the fundamental uh, things that we agree on here at this church and mm -hmm. in our class. How do you bring that up to somebody? How do you talk to somebody and say, you know, we're, that, that racist, um, uh, the thought that our nation was founded on a, a racial basis is incorrect. Mm -hmm. It's just fundamentally not correct. And here's proof. We could say you can go to the Feder Federalist, Federalist Papers and, and, and read it, but how do you just convincingly tell somebody, you know, I mean, you're wrong about mm -hmm. this, and this is <clears throat> how we can prove it? Man, that's a that's a difficult one because yeah. this this is an issue that's that's a very deep issue with a lot of ripple effects. Just to spark an interest, though, I guess <laughs> right. is what I'm asking. Just to, just give give some legitimately, good gracious, give some legitimacy to that thought to mm -hmm. where perhaps they'll go research it for themselves. You know what I mean? Right, and and I guess you'd have to reiterate that you know our founders, uh, our our founders borrowed heavily from the morality of scripture mm -hmm. yeah and and we can see that evidenced in pretty much every building and monument uh, right you know in, in yeah. government they're all inscribed mm -hmm. with scriptures mm -hmm. with references to the ten commandments right you know a sculpture of moses overlooks the library of congress you know moses is overlooking the uh you know is, is looking at the inscription in God we trust uh, mm -hmm. over the house chambers. And, you know, there's all these different things <laughs> yeah, that right, our founders right, right. built into the physical structure 
of government right. to remind us where our morality comes from. Right, and right. so once we've established that our morality ultimately comes from the Bible, the next step is to show God is not racist. Yes, the, right. the distinction that's uh, that comes out in the Bible is not between the color of skin or ethnicity or whatever. It's mm-hmm. in how you approach God. Have you accepted mm-hmm. Christ or have you not accepted Christ? Right. That's that's kind of a New Testament perspective. In mm-hmm. the Old Testament, you know, there was you know Jew and Gentile, right. but. At the basis of that distinction was whether or not they have accepted their creator. Right. Because you had Gentiles throughout the Old Testament that became that, that became part of the children of Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Ruth was an example of that. Right. Rahab was an example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even though you call you know we call him Uriah the Hittite. Mm-hmm. Um, Bathsheba's first husband and you know all the stuff that happened with him even though he was Uriah the Hittite he was part of the nation of Israel because he was part of David's army mm-hmm. you know so mm-hmm. um, <coughs> you know the distinction was not color of skin right. it was what have you done with God that's right and that's what the distinction is today that's right what uh, what do, what have you done with Jesus what, mm-hmm. what do you do with Jesus in your in your life yeah, I really like that question. Whenever you're talking to somebody uh, uh, about their salvation, you don't have to say the word salvation. You mm-hmm. don't have to uh, use Christianese that may put some people off. Mm-hmm. What do you do with Christ? Right. That's really the bottom line question, and how you answer that, in my opinion, will it shows a lot. It yeah. shows everything. It shows it yep. a- answers and, and, the and question. that that answers. All the other questions yes. related to that, because right. when you start talking about reconciliation mm-hmm. and you know the the sins of the past and all this mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. In, in the New Testament we're even told that reconciliation comes through Christ, right? And he even talks about the Gentiles and the Jews and all this stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, you know there's there's the admission that we're sinners and that we all all de- all deserve. You know, death. We all mm-hmm. deserve eternal punishment, mm-hmm. separation from God, and then there's the realization that God has forgiven us from for that, mm-hmm. and that He's offered us that free gift of salvation. And then the responsibility that comes with it was, because I've forgiven you of all the stuff you've done, you're now required to forgive others. Yes, that's why Lord. you know in the Lord's prayer, mm-hmm. you know, forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. That's right. Right. That's what it means. It's not. Mm-hmm. Forgive us our debts, and then we'll forgive our debtors. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. we're all, we all have a spirit of forgiveness. Yeah. And, you know, Christ even goes further and says, you know, seven times 70. And, mm-hmm. you know, all these mm-hmm. other things in Scripture that, that center around the idea of forgiveness, not because, you know, we're, we're giving other people mercy, but we are the beneficiaries of so much mercy and grace that, we are now compelled to pass that on. That's right. We, right. We don't do things in order to get that mercy and grace. Mm-hmm. We we give mercy and grace because we've already been, as a gratitude, right. we're grateful that we've been given that. Let's pass that on to other, right. to other, other people. And so there'll never be true reconciliation without Christ. Right. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. 
we're going to end it right there. What okay. better way to end it? Josh, yeah. thank you very much. A great <laughs> lesson. Awesome, as always. And uh, thank you for making time to come over and, and uh, talk today. Sure. I always enjoy it. All right, buddy. Talk to you next week. Yep. All right. Bye.